AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Durant, three over Zubots. Splashdown for CP3. Booker sneaking in, gets the steal. He'll be left wide open. Sets, fires, connects. Oh, that's huge. That was huge. A crafty veteran defensive move from Devin Armani Booker, who caps it off with a triple. And Jay Cronenworth becomes the primary first baseman. Xander Bogarts. Goodbye. Hard to have a better start with a new club than Xander Bogarts has had with the Padres. It's 4-1. 3-2 to Garrett Cooper. Got him. Zach Gallen gets through six with strikeout number six. And we head to the seventh in Miami. Gallen dealing up 5-0. Stephen Curry for three. That time, the timing impeccable by LeBron James on the cut. Brooks got him a three. And Brooks staring at LeBron. LeBron not returning his gaze. He'll come the other way. Mikel Bridges. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and Claxton, and down goes both of the players. It looked like, did Embiid trip Claxton? Or, because it looked like he was looking over him after that there by Claxton. Well, back here at Dodger Stadium, and Max Scherzer has been ejected from the game by first base umpire Phil Cuzzy. And for the second straight inning, when Scherzer went back to the mound, they checked his glove, and Cuzzy saw something that he felt Max could not have. And after an animated conversation, Ejected Scherzer from the game. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Friday, April 21st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Suns, should they win game four on Saturday afternoon, even if Leonard returns? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, do they bounce back tonight behind Zach Gallen against the now suddenly healthy Padres? Back to the NBA, who wins the uh, this weekend? And should Joel Embiid have been ejected last night in the first quarter? Meanwhile, from the end, uh, from the uh, Major League Baseball world, should Max Scherzer have been suspended? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so around the NBA playoffs with Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. 9.30, interactive action at 6.02, 260-1060, and also the local roundup. That'll include some Suns Clippers Game 3 analysis. And then in the final segment, we'll have the National Roundup topped by 
from the scoreboard, the non-Suns games in the NBA playoffs from last night, and also the bottom line. We'll get to as much NBA stuff for the upcoming weekend, including tonight, as possible. Then after the sports zone, from 10 to noon, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That includes certainly more Suns Clippers, and I'm guessing we'll get to more some, diamond, some more Diamondbacks and Padres also during that time frame. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should the Suns win Saturday afternoon, even if Kawhi Leonard returns? And Kayla is here and has the early returns right now. Yes, 75% of the vote, no trailing at 25%. The Suns won Game Three, one twenty-nine to one twenty-four last night over the Clippers. The Clippers now three and ten in games this season without Leonard and Paul George. In addition, what were the keys to the Suns' Game Three victory last night, other than Dan, Devin Booker? You can do better than you can come up with somebody, uh, something, and somebody else. Yeah, he was obviously spectacular. More in that at the bottom of the hour. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question. Do the Diamondbacks bounce back and win tonight with Zach Gowan on the mound against the Padres? And once again, uh, Kayla has early returns. 72.7% say yes, 27.3% say no. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Obviously, the big news yesterday, uh, the Diamondbacks uh, not just lost last night, of course, but you know they decided to part ways with Madison Bumgarner, uh, you know, the uh, worst contract in franchise history, five years, $85 million. And now they're eating the remaining 34 plus million dollars of that contract. Uh, by the way, there is speculation on Thursday that the pitching depleted New York Mets are interested in one Madison Bumgarner. Meanwhile, spanning the globe back to the NBA playoffs, the Warriors without the uh, suspended Draymond Green, led from start to finish last night in the 114-97 victory over the Sacramento Kings. Shockingly, he said sarcastically, the Kings did not nearly shoot, uh, didn't shoot nearly as well on the road as they did those first two games at home. Who wins Warriors-Kings game four? You know, if you're a non-basketball, if you don't have money on this series or if you're not like a Kings fan, you should all be rooting for the Warriors because this is a fun series. And we hope it goes seven. Meanwhile, the Sixers, without the ejected James Harden, are up 3 0 uh, after outscoring the Nets 26 15 in the fourth quarter last night. The question is, though, should Joel Embiid, should he have been ejected in the first quarter of game three against the Nets? Also, any other playoff weekend predictions, including obviously Lakers and Grizzlies? are strongly encouraged today. On the diamond, Max Scherzer was suspended 10 games for a foreign substance violation during Wednesday's game at Los Angeles. Does Max Scherzer have any reason to complain about being suspended for 10 games? And what also stood out on the baseball diamond Wednesday and or Thursday? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is today's Pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the Pipeline 
or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we have a news update. That will be followed by around the NBA playoffs with Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. We will go uh, start with the Suns and the Clippers, and uh, we will make our way through the other seven first-round series at some strategical point with Steve. Once again, bottom of the hour to be phone call time. General discussion at that point, 602-260-1060. Also, once again, at the bottom of the hour to be more local roundup, including some Suns and Clippers analysis from last night. And uh, we'll get the little Diamondbacks time pending in that uh, you know, bottom of the uh, bottom of the hour segment. In addition, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Suns now up 2-1 against the shorthanded Clippers to go around the NBA playoffs. We're, uh, let's go out to the KDUS hotline. We're now joined in the sports zone by Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. And Steve, always good to have you on the show. And let's start with the Suns. They have that 2-1 lead now against the Clippers. Last night, the Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Devin Booker has been sensational so far in this series. I'm assuming the NBA caught on to Booker's improvement and you know, really at both ends of the floor here lately, but I guess he's kind of showcasing himself at this point, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, he's been terrific. Um, you know, I, I think that he has uh, evolved as a player. Um, you know, he used to be a guy that, uh, you know, from, from at least my vantage point, uh, watching from afar, um, you know, and he was younger, of course, but it, but it seemed to be a lot of empty calories sometimes. In, in his point total, mm-hmm. not necessarily relate to winning um, the way you you expect to see with a with a star player. And I think his game has evolved. And I and I think that um, obviously um, when he he does well, uh, the Suns do well as a team. So I mean that's what you're looking for. He's got he's got a great position to be in right now. I mean he's in a great position in terms of when you've got Kevin Durant there with all the gravity that he creates. Uh, for uh, defensive game plans, um, you know, Booker hasn't, hasn't always had that, but now you add that to what, what he can do on, on his own, and, um, you know, that just facilitates a lot. I think I think I saw where Booker even credited KD, you know, for, um, you know, being there and, and, and opening things up for him. So right. that's, that's formidable, and that's why people, you know, started immediately to look at Phoenix as, uh, as a Western Conference favorite. 
So obviously, uh, that's quite a to one-two punch, needless to say. The Clippers don't have their one-two punch. You know, Paul George is not expected to play in this series. Kawhi Leonard missed last night. There, I know there was speculation yesterday, some speculation at least, at least one report, indicated that uh, they didn't think that Leonard was going to be able to play twice. And, you know, this is a short turnaround with the uh, Saturday afternoon game. So let's assume the Leonard comes back and plays on Saturday. You know, what, what should be the approach that the Clippers have in that game with a healthy Leonard? Well, I mean, they basically have to do what they did um, in game one. They'll, they'll be at home, which is worth something. But, you know, Leonard, that's a long uh, way to come back, uh, you know, from, from sitting out entirely to coming back and being the best player on the floor because I think that's what he was um, the first two games. I mean, as well as Booker played, I still think mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard um, at both ends. When, when you look at the job he could do defensively on Durant, um, the defensive attention he drew from the Suns, you know, I, it reminds you why this guy is a, a coveted player and so highly um, valued, except that when you try to watch that, you know, uh, great player during the regular season, this half a chance, he won't even be playing because he's low managing. Right. So, you know, no, it's, it's a lot to ask. I mean, you know, I think that the um, the Clippers are – I mean they're mediocre. That I don't I don't see them advancing anyway. And I think that this thing is sort of uh, uh, regressing to our expectations uh, rather quickly. Okay, so let's go to expectations. Warriors and Kings. This is fun. Um, hopefully, uh, unless people have money in this game or this series. They should be hoping, hoping for a seven-game series, and maybe the NBA expands this to a you know like a best of fifteen or something. Uh, but uh, to me, this has been the most fun first-round series. How about you? Yeah, I mean the the Draymond Green thing. You know, at first you thought, well, that's going to take away away a little bit of the uh, the pizzazz, um, you know, from game three. Except it really didn't. And um, no, I. I I, when I previewed this series, I think I had Golden State winning in six just because, based on their road record, I couldn't imagine them winning in seven. But, um, no, it, it's great. And I think the, uh, you know, the fear for Kings fans is that, you know, somehow that the the Warriors have, have flipped a, yet another switch. You know, we see teams when they don't have their, their, their star player, in the case of the Clippers, well, it's two guys, but particularly Leonard, um, they can't overcome it. But then we see other teams that, whether it's Milwaukee or Memphis the other night, or mm-hmm. you know, now Golden State, now I'm not going to say Draymond Green is the equivalent of John Morant or uh, Giannis, but still, they, you take a blow like that, and the other guys rally around and overcome it, and, and you wonder whether that's something that continues, they, that they, they, you know, it's cliched, but they dig down, they find something, and, and all of a sudden that, that's... Uh, that's changing the series. So, um, yeah, I think that the Kings have their hands full. Now, if they, can, if they can win one game, they win this next game, obviously that changes everything. Otherwise, I think you're probably right. I think it's a seven-game series, and i got to favor the pedigree uh, the longer this goes um, because they've been there before they've done this sort of thing, and even though the Kings haven't been hurt really by their experience to this point, um, the more opportunities there are, to be hurt by that, um, you know, the more we have to be mindful of it. 
You, you mentioned the Kings' inexperience to this point, but last night, to some extent, they looked like a young team that was playing on the playoff road for the first time. A lot of those guys, can they turn that around before uh, game four? Is it easier for them the second time in a road uh, road game uh, in the postseason? Well, I would, I would assume so, um, you know, but last night was the one to grab, right? I mean, just like the Lakers let the Grizzlies off the hook, um, you know, just because they won one of the two games in Memphis already, they really could have controlled that series. And, I mean, for Sacramento to pounce on Draymond Green's absence and, and not, you know, be hurt um, and lose uh, in that situation, um, you know, it just, it, to me, they had much more um, capability, particularly inside with size. I mean, Sabonis and, and Lynn, um, it should have been, you know, it should have been a way for them to dominate. And, and it, Steph Curry did Steph things. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, you win, you win that game. You're up three-one in the series, and you know now now the Warriors get to see, you know, what it takes to do what LeBron did to them um, way back when. So um, I don't know. I enjoy watching the Kings, but. Do I know what sort of resolve they have and, and, you know, where they're able to respond now to a much more Warriors-like effort? Um, that's why we watch. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to the same boat with you. I enjoy watching them, but I'm not sure I completely believe in them yet, but uh, we'll see how this right. goes. S- Steve Ashburn of NBA.com, calling in the sports zone. All right, Memphis and the Lakers. You know, Brooks against uh, LeBron here. Uh <laughs> Should Brooks just shut up, or you know, what's your viewpoint on the give and take there? Well, if I'm a Memphis fan or I'm the Memphis coach, uh, you know, then I think, yeah, don't, you know, he did the opposite of what you want. Don't poke the bear. He likes to poke the bear. And um, yeah, I was standing right in front of him when he said that stuff in the locker room on Wednesday night, and I just I was shaking my head and, and just thinking, here he goes. I mean, you got to smile that the guy knew exactly what he was doing. This was not any uh, emotional, um, you know, tirade or anything like that. Nothing nothing in the heated moment. He knew what he was doing, and he's, he's trying to get into LeBron's head. I think he understands that if, if, if LeBron is facilitating his teammates' games, that's when he's most dangerous for the Lakers. He gets those other guys, whether it's Rui Hachimura or Austin Reeves, and certainly Anthony Davis. He gets those guys going. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, that's where he's, he's you know most effective. If you get LeBron focused on his own scoring, then maybe some of those other guys drop off. And, and to me, that's what Dylan Brooks was trying to do, you know, daring him to score 40, which means the ball's going to stay in LeBron's hands and, and not end up in open shooter's hands. Um, I think it's all calculated. I think there's also the element of, um, you know, making himself a, a brand name. And, you know, he, he sees what Draymond Green has done in this league and some other guys on occasion, and, and I think it's just a way for him to, to, to amp things up. I think it is interesting because, obviously, we're going to look for LeBron's reaction to this. And, um, you know, is he still capable at age 38 of, you know, smashing somebody the way Kobe and, and Michael would have done if they were challenged like this? So it was nice of you to lend uh, Brooks your sunglasses, too. That was very nice. That was a good deal by you. 
I was envious. <laughs> I meant to ask him afterwards, where can I get a pair of those? <laughs> that was very nice. Okay, so we, what do we think LeBron will be? Do you think he'll you know, be more aggressive and go to the rim? And he hasn't shot many free throws in this series. Yeah, you know what I would expect from LeBron? I don't think he's going to totally change his game just because Dylan Brooks has goaded him. I do think that Dylan Brooks is going to spend a lot of time on the bench and foul trouble again. I mean, I could see that happening. I mean, I, I could see it Wednesday night that LeBron started calling for the ball. Once Brooks got his fourth foul, I mean, LeBron went at him hard. Uh, LeBron went at him hard trying to, um, you know, get him into that fifth and sixth mm -hmm. foul. So I think that's the – rather than being shown up by LeBron by getting dunked on or anything like that, I mean, I think that's the danger for Brooks is that, you know, He's drawn awareness now, not for this one, LeBron and his teammates, but you know, the referees are going to be extra vigilant if things don't get out of hand. And who's going to win in that confrontation? You know, more than likely it's the, the veteran superstar versus the brash younger player. And I think, I think um, you know, Brooke, they can't afford, none of us cannot afford, particularly on the road, to thin their herd anymore. I mean, no Steven Adams, uh, no Brandon Clark. John Morant, you know, if he plays, he won't be 100% with his right hand, which is kind of like a quarterback shoulder. If you're a point guard, you need your, your, your right hand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Dylan Brooks needs to be on the floor, and he, he needs to do what Jaron Jackson has done and, and avoid foul trouble, even though that's kind of his nature to, uh, to pick up fouls. All right, let's keep it in the West here. Round it out with the Nuggets and the Wolves. The Nuggets with the two easy wins so far. Do the Wolves respond in game three? Uh, you know, they're, they're comfortable playing at home, and they made that game close uh, the other night. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in, in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I think they've got issues internally. I don't think they have answers externally. If they had Jalen McDaniels, you know, if, if McDaniels hadn't punched the wall and taken himself out for whatever is left of their season, um, if Nas Reed were, were available, you know, then maybe. But I, I don't. I don't trust Timberwolves. I don't expect them to get swept. Probably tonight is as good a chance to win. It's much harder to win, I think, when you're down 3-0. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Minnesota sort of rallies and does it, throws its crowd a bone. But, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of time. A gentleman's sweep uh, in that series. Talking NBA playoffs with Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. Right, let's switch this to the East. The Bucks and the Heat. Uh, the Bucks uh, without Giannis uh, in Game Two win by a hundred. Uh, you know they showed Pat Riley in the crowd. I don't know if I've ever seen Pat Riley. You could just—he has an angry face anyway. But uh, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a Heat. The Heat team just kind of—you know—talking about mailing it in. My God, that was horrible in Game Two. Well, you know, if you if you take the, the macro approach to how teams approach playoffs, you know, you go on the road and you split, you've done your job. Um, you know, it shouldn't be enough. And, you know, probably Miami was whipping some wounds over the, the Tyler Hero loss. Um, I think that's going to be tough for them to overcome. Um, mm. The one the one thing they do have going in their favor is that the Bucks are going to be, you know, within striking distance of South Beach for multiple days. Um, and that, you know, that Miami effect, uh, has been noted many times in NBA circles that it's a tough it's a tough place to go on the road and, and play well because you know your nighttime activities can interfere. But you know Riley has you know Riley's part of this that that roster construction on the Heat 
is not great. There, there are obvious things they lack. Um, not a very athletic team, and um, you know it, 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 it would be a major upset for them at this stage to uh, oust Milwaukee from the first round. So um, my biggest concern with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, when they got Miami rather than Chicago was the extra travel, like getting locked into a, a multiple game series against you know what I feel is probably the best coach in the league in Eric Spolstra. Um, you know, and and a, and a team that you know they they almost feel like they have to play physical because of that lack lack of athletic ability, and because that's what Pat Riley wants. He, you know, he wants uh, toughness and contact, and they track every charge. And and of course, it was a charge that that got Giannis when Kevin Love uh, stepped on yeah. him. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a dangerous uh, series for the number one seed. Um, Miami's a better number eight seed than you expect and after all they were the number seven until that little flipperoo with atlanta in the uh, play-in and uh, i don't think the bucks got much of a reward for finishing with the the league's best record Cavs and the knicks uh kind of the uh eastern conference equivalent for intrigue uh the equivalent of uh the uh, the warriors and the kings uh yeah I, i'm not real sure what's going to happen in this Cavs knicks series what do you think no, me neither. I picked Cleveland in um, seven just because I thought that, um, you know, they're a little more cohesive. They've got a, a two-prong attack in the backcourt. I mean, Darius Garland, you know, really, you know, he lit it up in game two, made up for a, a disappointing game one. And I think Donovan Mitchell saw that, you know, other guys need to flourish, not just him, when, uh, when they're going to be playing at their best. I think Evan Mobley is, is kind of a silent killer. Um, he can rise up and hurt you know, the Knicks in, in a couple of different ways. Uh, the Knicks went awfully hot. Julius Randle, you know, you don't, you never quite know um, what you're going to get. I enjoy watching Julius Randle play. I think it's a lot of fun. I give him a lot of credit. I voted for him for one of the All-NBA teams. But um, he can hurt you uh, some games almost as much as he, uh, he helps you. So, um, but I, I do think it's going to go, you know, the distance. And, um you know, we'll see. It's, uh, it's, uh, you're right. It, it does offer, you know, some of the same intrigue and, and evenness of, uh, of that Kings Warriors series. All right. Sixers and Nets. Should Embiid have been ejected last night? Well, only, you know, because of the most so recent precedent, yes. Um, you know, if, if the league is concerned about, you know, uh, foot action, stomping, and factored in Draymond's kicks in the past. When you turn around and a day or so later have somebody kick like that in the in the you know uh, somebody's groin area, then yeah, I mean he should have been. That that I I think he may have been suspended because he wasn't ejected. Now you know mm-hmm. indeed has a has a fairly checkered past when it comes to flagrants and technicals. It's not as well known as uh, Draymond's because Embiid usually will you know, sort of insincerely, you know, talk about it and downplay it, whereas as Draymond seems almost to boast about um, his bad boy behavior. But, um, yeah, I think he should have. But they, they, they threw out Harden instead, and then he almost should have flipped those two results and yeah. you'd have a better sense of fairness, I think, on that uh, in that game. But I think oh, I think totally he agree. might get suspended just because of Draymond, you know, getting it. That's true. 
Okay, so the Hawks were kind of they were feisty at home a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they obviously uh, have been outplayed almost every minute of this year. Well, except when they're down like thirty, they're not outplayed. But do the do the Hawks? You know, have are they feisty at home this time around against the Celtics? I think this is a sweep. I, I think it's a bad mass, uh, uh, mismatch. Um, they were the AC. They should have been the AC. They won that game and they got Boston. Which they they probably um, would reconsider if they could. I you know I've liked Boston since uh, the season began. I just I'm I'm a big believer in finals runner-up teams, uh, just as I was last year with with the Suns. Um, and they went out and they had a great regular season, and then they hit the wall in the playoffs against us. But I just think that that um, experience, the the tantalizing nature of getting so close only to fall short, I think that's a great motivation. Um, and I think Boston, you know, could almost taste it last spring, last June. And I expect that um, they'll be the team that comes out of the East. And I think they're not going to mess around. They're not going to play with their food. And, you know, the Hawks right now are, are, are really just that for uh, in the series. Steve, always, uh, always good talking to you. I really enjoy it. Thanks. You got it. Yep, you're welcome. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com, excellent stuff there. And uh, as I mentioned uh, on Wednesday, you know, I got my days really mixed up this week because I wasn't here yesterday. But uh, Wednesday I mentioned I think the Celtics have more good players than any team in the league. Uh, so I would expect them, along with Steve, to take care of business in Atlanta. All right, next segment, phone call time. If you want to get in, general discussion, 602 602- 260-1060, also get to some local roundup, definitely get to some suns from last night, a little more further analysis. Actually, we really haven't had hardly any analysis other than Devin Booker from the uh, pipeline I mentioned, uh, but we'll get to a little further analysis in the next segment from last night. Then we'll round out uh, the sports zone as usual with the national roundup. That will include a little bit from both of the games last night not involving the suns. And we'll get to some of the latest line for the NBA playoff games upcoming beginning tonight. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. It's time for today's local roundup. We're back, final segment. Whoops, not quite the final segment. Next to last segment. I'm trying to hustle up too quickly. Uh, welcome back to the Sports Zone. This is the local roundup segment. We've used this song for like 10 years. I should know what segment it is. Uh, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time 602-260-1060. Phone calls in a couple minutes first up. A little more in the Suns last night. They were carried uh, to an, uh, by another spectacular performance by Devin Booker and played just enough defense, that's the loose term here, uh, to win the likely pivotal Game 3. 
there were you know some betters and bookmakers who were got middles and got middled depending on who you are. Uh, the uh, number was two and a half. So there were two and a half to three point favorites on Thursday morning until the news broke that Kawhi Leonard would not be playing because of the knee soreness. Because of that, the game closed seven and a half. There were some books that uh, got up to eight. In fact, the Suns at one point led by thirteen. That lead was cut to three before the 129-124 final. Without Leonard and also Paul George, the Clippers had no chance of stopping Devin Booker, who finished last night with 45 points. That's his fourth career playoff game with at least 40 points. And uh, you know the Clippers likely shot their wad on Thursday night. Norman Powell finished with 42 points in 40 minutes. Russell Westbrook had 30 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds. The uh, I guess from the captain obvious statement of the day is uh, the, uh, the, the Clippers need Leonard to have any chance to win any playoff game the rest of this series. Torrey Craig was a big part of the Suns' win again. Uh, and he was actually a big part of the Suns' unable to stop Norman, Norman Powell. He was one of the guys that tried to guard him. Craig did score 15 points. First time that Craig in his playoff career, and he's played a bunch of playoff games, uh, that has scored three consecutive, or he's actually now had three consecutive double-digit scoring games. He's never done that in the postseason before. The Suns' uh, slow start again uh, last night, but no, it was better in the first two games. They were tied at 27 after one quarter. After that, uh, the Suns uh, had 27, 40, and 35 points the final three quarters. And they needed that uh, because they were defenseless. Um, the, the Clippers actually shot 60% in the second half last night. And the Suns still won the game. Uh, Cameron Payne, not able to go again. His fourth consecutive game going back to the regular season. Out with the back problem. He has some value because without him, Booker is the, the backup point guard. And stays on the floor in that role when Chris Paul is actually sitting. Game four is Saturday afternoon at 12.30. That's a quick turnaround, and it's the reason the Clippers sat Leonard on Thursday, at least according to one report. That's why they sat Leonard on Thursday, because they were concerned about him playing two games in less than 48 hours. So they decided the second game would be better if you get some rest and then play game four. So that's kind of what's anticipated. Uh, it seems, uh, you know, the Clippers, uh, remember two years ago, the Suns and the Clippers played, and they kept saying that Leonard was day-to-day. Turned out he had a torn ACL in the previous series before the Suns played the Clippers when he got injured against the Jazz. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, that's uh, you know, there's no such, t- uh, you know, the, the time frame in this series changes dramatically after this game on Saturday, however, you know, they go Tuesday, Thursday, and, and Saturday after that. So it's a little easier for the Clippers if they want to try to figure out how to get Leonard on the floor more often. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. We'll get to some Diamondbacks, wow. by the way, in uh, the next couple hours in the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Hi there, Matt. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner with the Mets. Oh what do you think? Please stop. Yeah. No, Bob. I want. I want nothing to do with it. I was going to call you yesterday and rant and rave about how the Diamondbacks need to just release Bumgarner, and then you know I looked up on the internet that they did, and um, it's about time. I mean, you, you starting pitchers talk a lot about giving your 
your team a chance to win, and he gives his team zero chance to win. Um, and any league yeah. average starter would be better than him. And um, is this clearing the way for Brandon Fott to come up and take his place in the rotation? I know that he has really been bad in his first couple of starts in yeah. Reno, so I don't know. What, yes. I don't know what to think of that because you know, God, I can't imagine being a pitcher who's oh, trying gosh. to develop his craft pitching in Reno <laughs> right. and in the P and, and the PCL. Everywhere, uh, so yep. I, I have no idea without actually having seen him pitch. You know whether he. You know, I saw him in spring training and got he got clobbered the one game I saw him in spring training. Okay. So I'm probably the wrong guy to be asking about him. Okay. Um, yeah, Problem is they met... need two starters. They need two starters because I'm sorry, Ryan Nelson shouldn't they be do. in a rotation. That's fair as well. Um, I agree with that. Um, the Mets can't. Can't. I, I know they're desperate for starting pitching. I get it, but there, there's nothing left there. I mean, it's it's not a. No. reclamation project where somebody can fix him. And I, I respect him. Uh, I think Jeremy Hefner is terrific at his craft, but there's nothing left there. Uh, I, I don't care how desperate you are, you know, call somebody up from the minors or go with a bullpen game and, um, you know, give your, give your team a, a chance to win. Cause Bumgarner is not the guy to, to do that. Yeah. I, I assume somebody's going to give him a chance though. I do too. I do too. Without question. Um, Bob, I want to talk about the Chicago White Sox. Um, I have a a good friend of mine who's a Sox fan, and he essentially is calling them unwatchable. Um, he, he's 100% is, correct. <laughs> it is, considering they do not have a farm system, um, is it time to blow this thing entirely up, trade everybody, and just start all over? I would have done that before. Um, okay. The good I know you news like is for their team for a while, right? I know you've listened to me forever, and I'm not exactly a Tony La Russa fan. But all this crap yep. about Tony La Russa being the White Sox problem the last two years was complete yep. garbage. Absolutely, uh, yeah. They are they are actually worse this year without him than they were with him, and they're really bad. They have, I have no idea what they do in their minor league system. Um, they're they're. Just their mental defensive approach it doesn't exist. They're the dumbest team in creation. Base running and defense. They, if you like baseball, it's impossible to watch. Uh, and if you have any kids, make sure you do, don't watch their. You don't have their, your kids watch the watch the White Sox play unless you want to just teach them how not how to play baseball. I know Giolito's a free agent. He's been bad for a while now after the really good yeah. year he had a couple of years ago. Um, outside of Robert and Anderson, do their guys have any trade value? That's a really good point. And I don't know any part of Anderson, quite frankly. Uh, he yeah, kinda, I'm not he's a like fan the. Either. Yeah, he's like Lamar, like my Lamar Jackson of baseball. I want no part of either of them. Uh, so that's selfish. good. But. Uh, exactly. I, and plus, he should not be playing. He's not even, you know, the no. World Baseball Classic. They put him at second base. Yeah, Andres is a far better shortstop at age 62 or whatever he is now yes, he is. than Anderson than Anderson is right now. So, yep. I mean, it's ridiculous that, that they haven't flipped those two. Uh, I do like Robert, though. I just hopefully a dude can stay healthy because he's been injured almost every I year in too. his minor league, minor league and major league career. But he's a damn yeah. good player. I think he's terrific. The other guy has a ton of value, I would assume, would be Dylan Cease, but I assume that would be yeah. the one guy they'd want to hold on to. So, 
Agreed. Lastly, did you they, see the they, they actually should change Giolito like right now because he was good in his last start. Whoa. What is what? Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine, Bob. What is uh what is the value of Otani at, at a trade deadline, considering the likelihood that everybody thinks he signs with the Dodgers? Um, right. You're only getting you know sixty games of him. Is I can't assume it's going to be a ton. Is that fairly accurate to say? I think you're a hundred percent accurate to say there. You're on the hundred between you and your friend. It's the hundred percent gauge here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh totally agree with that. Even though, uh, if you watched uh, the Braves in the in the Padres Sunday night game a couple of weeks ago, you know half of their pregame show is about the Padres maybe going after Otani. Wow! And then they mentioned they talked about it during the game too. So, you know that dude wants to spend any every penny he has. God bless him, the owner of the Padres. But that's the first I'd heard of that. But it was like wow. a. You know, almost like a three-hour infomercial of how the Padres would be interested in Otani. Maybe they sign him and let Soto walk, considering how maybe as a, yeah, as maybe. a another so. another another fine play by Soto at left field last night. By the way, oh against my God, the Diamondbacks, he's such a butcher, just DH him. Oh, well, he also missed a cutoff man last night too. But yeah, so oh. did Tatis. So whatever. Uh, but, All right, Bob. Uh, have a great know. weekend. Appreciate the time as always. Okay, thank you, you too. Bob Melvin must be going crazy watching them play. <laughs> so he's such a stickler for those things. And whew, corner outfield defense. Even though Tatis did make a really good physically, he can he can make the plays as far as yeah, you know, he made a really good catch last night. So, but you know, throwing to the right base, maybe that'll get better. I mean, the dudes played like you know, last year, two years ago, he played some right field. But other than that, he's been miscast as an infielder. Another guy that should have never been a shortstop, uh, like Tim Anderson, in fact. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports on the national roundup. We'll get to as uh, much as we can from the NBA, a little bit from last night's two non-Suns games, and uh, we'll get to some of the point spreads for the upcoming weekend. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, rapid fire, final segment of today's sports zone. I want to get to a little bit from last night. The Warriors, without uh, two of their best defenders, led from start to finish last night against the Kings. Draymond Green, of course, suspended. Gary Payton Jr. out because of illness. Anthony Wiggins almost didn't play because of a shoulder injury, but he did play. Steph had 36. Kayvon Looney, this guy's really good. I mean, I remember saying this during the playoffs last year. He had 20 rebounds and 9 assists last night. Meanwhile, the Kings resembled a young team playing on the road for the first time in the, the playoffs. Malik Monk, was uh, who was unstoppable in the first two games, was basically a liability last night. And uh, as I mentioned earlier with Steve Ashburner from NBA.com, uh, all potential observers – uh, should be rooting for the Warriors in game four. We want this to be, uh, this has got a chance to be an epic you know, seven-game series, so we're hoping for that. 
the Sixers without uh, you know, with Joel Embiid somehow not being suspended and James Harden being ejected. Anyway, the Sixers won. They dominated the fourth quarter against the really not very good Nets team. Uh, Tyrese Maxey really took over as the primary ball hander after Harden was uh, justifiably ejected in the third quarter. Maxey finished with 25 points. Embiid should have been ejected in the first quarter, but he was allowed to stay in the game. But he had back and ankle and, and knee issues. He finished with 14 points and 10, 10, re- 10 assists, actually. 10 rebounds? 10 rebounds in this game. Uh, the Sixers are now up 3-0. And uh, in case you haven't heard it from the 7,000 times I said it last night, NBA teams leading 3-0 in playoff series are 147-0 all time. As far as the NBA tonight, or actually, let's look ahead to Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday, the Suns, uh, yeah, yesterday, before Leonard's injury was revealed, uh, mid-morning our time, uh, or morning our time, whenever that was our time, uh, the Suns were two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. They actually went off at seven-and-a-half or eight, depending on where you do your business. And I think because they, uh, the odds maker doesn't really know what to do with Leonard and his status, Uh, The Suns are a five-point favorite for the game tomorrow afternoon. And that game's tomorrow afternoon because there's another game in Los Angeles tomorrow night. And the Lakers opened a a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Memphis. That uh, number's up to five. Then on Sunday, the Sacramento Kings against the Golden State Warriors in game four. Draymond expected to be back, I assume. Peyton Jr. will be back. Uh, the uh, Warriors, uh, seven and a half point favorite that game in that game against the uh, Kings. That game's on Sunday in uh, San Francisco. Diamondbacks tonight. Zach Gallon on the mound against uh, Lugo in the Padres. Gallon and the Diamondbacks a 120 favorite tonight. I think this is actually, if you look at the pitching matchups, I think this is the Diamondbacks' best chance to win a game in this four-game series against San Diego. Thanks for listening to Sports Zone. The extra points coming up next. Stay tuned.